Backstage Pass is made possible by Mauer Productions on Stage, producers of the classic musical Men of La Mancha, opening Friday, February 6, 2009, at the Kelsey Theater in West Windsor, New Jersey. Hello, and welcome to Backstage Pass, Central New Jersey's community theater podcast. I'm John Maurer, and I'll be moderating this session, where we will be talking about theater for children, and Yardley Players' production of Rumpelstiltskin is my name, being presented at the Kelsey Theater starting January 23rd. We all remember the classic Grimm's fairy tale we heard as children. This musical production, though, takes a whimsical look at the tale. The story begins in the kingdom of disarray. The townspeople live in fear of a witch who resides in the woods. The queen, trying to save her subjects and herself from bankruptcy, listens to a young girl's claims about spinning straw into gold. Things come to a head as the young girl struggles to fulfill her promises and win the affection of the prince with the help of an ill-tempered little wizard who appears to be the answer to all her prayers but who has a secret agenda of his own. The show features many comic characters, delightful songs, and a satisfying fairy tale conclusion. With me here to talk about the production are Lori Gouger, director and musical director, Mike Diorio, producer, Paul McGlue, who plays Prince Tom, Matthew Blazeski, who plays Rumpelstiltskin, and Marianne Wiley, who plays Griselda the Witch. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Thank you. Now, Lori, what first drew you to this show? Why did you choose Rumpelstiltskin? Well, we had already decided to do a version of Rumpelstiltskin, and I looked at several. And what appealed to me about this one is even though it's a fairy tale, it really is not too dissimilar from our current society. It's a society where they are all very much in financial distress and are gleefully enjoying the plight of a poor girl who gets roped into a situation um, that is a little beyond her ability to handle. Almost like we all enjoy watching reality television. So I have enjoyed explaining to the cast that even though this is a kingdom far, far away, the nature of the citizens is not too terribly different from our nature living now in current times. Now, did you consider that to be part of the challenge of putting this together? I think one of the biggest challenges was going to be finding a cast. There were so many quirky characters. And although it's a typical fairy tale, I didn't want to cast it in the traditional way that we would have a, a Prince Charming in the Shrek mold that was the big buff prince. This prince is kind of coming into his own and trying to stand up against his very uh, dominating mother. And it's a very simple G-rated kind of a romance that happens. Um, there's a lot of secondary characters who are very entertaining and comical. And so my biggest concern, I think, was just finding the right cast. And I was concerned, uh, I was feeling that once I found that cast, things would come together and knock on wood. That's how it's come to be so far. Now you're saying that the, the show itself, the characters in it, are not that far removed from the conditions that there are today in society. Mm -hmm. um, now fairy tales tend to blur the lines between reality, the real world, and the dream world. When you were developing this fairy tale, did you find it hard balancing realism with fantasy? Well, there were some things I've always found when directing fairy tales that in some ways you have to be almost more realistic with a fairy tale. The actors themselves have to 100% buy into the illusion or the audience isn't going to buy into the illusion. So it's in some ways more challenging than a show that is grounded 100% in reality. Uh, where the audience is going to be along with you for the ride, 
this type of show really only works if the actors are completely immersed in the world that we're creating so that the audience can take the journey with us. I think what Laurie has done is taken the characters, changed them more from a one-dimensional to a three-dimensional character, which <clears throat> going to rehearsals and seeing it, seeing it as it develops is amazing to watch how these characters have changed since we first saw them at auditions and the first rehearsal. And I think that's great. I think that just adds another dimension to the play. Yeah, and there are a lot of characters in this show, aren't there? Mm -hmm. um, normally in a children's production, they're designed to travel, so they're normally small casts. In this case, though, you expanded this to a larger cast. I felt strongly that I didn't want to just expand the cast in number and still have only a dozen people that were doing anything of value and then uh, the townspeople who stood and were really just to set the scene. Um, I, when I added additional characters, I really it was important to me to make sure that everyone was in fact a character that was useful to moving the story forward. And I was trying to balance with that not making it too long. I know that sometimes we want to add a lot of things to our shows and put our own creative stamp on the work that we're doing, but we need to keep in mind that we need to be addressing children's attention span. So what I tried to do is expand the story at points where time would be passing anyway. I put in some additional dialogue when scene changes are happening, some additional dialogue before, between the acts, at points where it would just be essentially dead time, moving scenery and the orchestra vamping and vamping. I wanted to use that time to give some other people a chance to um, be a part of the story and move the plot forward. So how many cast members do you have? 29, and everyone has a speaking part. There is no one who, who doesn't speak. Um, and everyone is featured in some way based on what we saw at the audition and sometimes what we've seen since the audition. If people are really um, stepping out of their comfort zone and taking risks in rehearsals, then I'm going to push them to go a little bit further and use their, their talents and abilities so that everybody really feels valued and important in the cast. Because I think all of us as actors have been in shows where maybe we felt that we weren't as important to, to what was going on. And I, it was important to me to not have anyone feel that way in this show. So I would hope that that, that would be something that um, everyone's come out of it. Now your cast is sort of all-inclusive. I mean, what's the age range of the people who are in it? Seven to I am, won't ask a lady. So seven and I don't know. <laughs> seven to adult. And I think, again, with what Lori has done, it's a long 45 minutes. There's a lot going on in that 45 minutes where you can just sit and go watch a children's show and, you know, it just goes from one thing to another. This is constantly moving. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fun show to watch. Now, you're saying that the, some of the actors are sort of stretching themselves, moving out of their comfort zone. In the case of an actor in a fantasy character, it's not a situation where you can go, really go out and research it too much. It's like you can't go out and find an evil wizard and say, what's it like being an evil wizard? So we have some of the cast members here, and I want to get an idea what it was like and for you for putting together your characters. Now, Paul, you're Prince. Prince what? Uh, Prince Tom, as a matter of fact. Um, well, he's, he's pretty much just your, your average prince, as you might find uh, wherever. Uh, well, I, I suppose he's not really the average prince. He is, as Loria uh, had mentioned earlier, he's, he's coming into his own. He's, he's, uh, he's got a very commandeering uh, uh, a mother and he, he kind of has to go against that. So while basing himself, the character Tom, as like his father, who uh, was the king, he also has to figure out for himself 
exactly how to stand up to his mother and become king. So you you feel that the character, the prince character, actually does have a journey to take during the course of the show. I do. He's yes. not just one dimensional. He's silly at the beginning and silly at the end. He no, has something he, going on. I hope he changes. Yeah, <laughs> that's my aim. Now, um, Matthew, you play, for lack of a better word, the title character in the show, and you don't look like an evil wizard to me. <laughs> so, what was it like pulling together Rumpelstiltskin? Well, it was really difficult for me to develop my character. And in fact, I do have a story behind how I did come up with a voice and how to be kind of mean and ill-tempered. I have a 15-year-old brother who is a teenager. I was having so much trouble coming up with how I would express myself for the audition's monologue that I called my mom and said, how can I do this? I just am having so much trouble. And she said to me, Model yourself after how your brother is in the morning. My brother is so cranky and irritable in the morning that I just took that feeling. He makes me mad in the morning. I took that feeling and just made it my own character, being grouchy and just sour and just mean to everybody. That Matthew and I have also been working very hard for him to find a Rumpelstiltskin voice. Because especially vocally, he has a, a beautiful angelic boy soprano voice. He played Oliver over the summer, and that is his natural voice. And as a music teacher, we've been trying to strike a balance between finding a Rumpelstiltskin voice that is obviously not a beautiful boy soprano voice, but neither can I in good conscience recommend that he do anything that would be damaging to him vocally. So we've been trying to really find a balance between using all the vocal technique that he has in terms of support and volume and diction but warping it a little bit so that it does sound more evil wizardy and less, you know, kind boy that Matthew actually is. Now, the, that that's one thing you tell you're trying to find a voice for him. Some actors don't get into character until they find something, either the costume or a prop or the voice or something that they latch on to and that sort of drives the rest of the character and allows them to develop it. For you, was it the voice or did you have was it just your brother who helped you <laughs> come up with it? I think it's a combination of both. The voice really helped me to feel that I was grouchy and just very irritable to everyone. But my brother did help a lot just by being himself in the morning. It was he was very kind to lend me that. It was amazing when he came in to the audition. We didn't know what to expect. You know, we were expecting Matthew as Oliver. And when he came in, he started with his voice right away. And it just, it, you know, we were taken aback by it a little bit. And, and that's, we were surprised just to, just to see that. And it was amazing to look at his face and then to hear this voice coming out of it. It just, it shocked us. <laughs> and he's taken it even further since the auditions. It's really been important when Matthew and I were working together that I didn't want to tell him what I wanted the voice to sound like. I don't want him to mimic me doing an evil wizard voice. So he's really gone home on his own in front of the mirror or by himself and really played with it until he found a voice that worked for him and he's doing a great job with it. Well, everybody's been talking about the voice. Can you give us a sample of what they're talking about? Um, sure. There's this one part where Laura is singing that she's going to name her son Michael and I'm kind of eavesdropping and then I sneak in and I say, you call that singing? Bah! I know a turtle who snaps better than you sing. What a stupid song! <laughs> Very nice. Well, let me move on to Marianne. You're playing the witch. Now, a witch is a classic character in children's literature. And it adds the drama, it adds the tension. But this is still a children's show. 
That's so how do you right. find the balance? So we, we don't have her really scary, scary. She's a very manipulative person. She's old, and she, but she knows how to handle people. And she's not scary. She is a little comedic in her ways. Um, she's not going to have a green face and float around the stage. She's, we're softening that a little bit, but yet she has this power and she has the draw from the audience, but not in a frightening way. We're not doing it in a frightening manner. Now, did you have something that you, that you drew from to, to create the character? Actually, I really, we had pictures the other week and we had to, had to do our makeup and everything and that really gave me who she was. Uh, Lori was happy with what I brought to her and and the voice just you know the voice just came with what i thought a 400 year old woman would talk like and of course she can be stronger than that but she plays this frail old woman and doesn't really give all her powers doesn't uh, doesn't show everyone her powers to begin with although she has them and she can control people by her manners and her words she um, you know she kind of plays both sides of the fence even though she has the the witch powers she uh, does not always use them so how are rehearsals going I mean you, you actually go up the end of January so you should be pretty well into it I, I am really happy with how rehearsals are going the cast has been so enthusiastic uh, and as Mike was pointing out to me the other day he said he thinks the energy is staying fairly high because they really never know what I'm going to throw at them from uh, day to day. We've been adding a lot of additional um, movement and some scenes that, one thing we put in, for example, when the townspeople are bringing the straw to Laura that she needs to spin into gold, um, that was written that they just walk in and carry the straw. And I thought that would really be a waste of a good comic moment. So what we pulled was there is a, a piano etude um, being a music teacher, I was familiar with this song from years of teaching piano lessons called The Spinning Song that is just a classical piece that really reminded me of a silent movie when I listened to it. So we've added in a whole uh, a silent vignette where they're bringing in the straw that it has some vaudeville components, it has some street stomp hip-hop components, even though that doesn't exactly fit what you would think of as fairy tale, it really all works together well, and I think it gives it that nod to the contemporary. But I am having a, a great time at rehearsals. I could not ask for a more enthusiastic cast, and I it hope does, they're having fun too. It does seem like you guys are having a good time. Are there any favorite moments that have come out at this point as you're working? I think, personally, uh, Griselda is not in every number. She's not in a lot of the production numbers. And when I come to rehearsal and see the talent of the children in the show, I personally am very wowed by that. I mean, they are talented, and I am taken back, and I'm sure everyone's going to enjoy them. That impresses me. I think um, we just finished Mary for Love the other day, which was hysterical to start with um, and we just kept adding things to it which is even funnier I asked Paul if he knows what's going on behind him during this and he says no and I, you know we said good thing there's just so much with all the, the princesses and um, and the hunt henchmen and, and all that the huntsman coming in um, and Tom's friend doing things with the princesses that it's just hysterical the thing it's non-stop action through that whole song a little background with this song, the queen would like her son to marry someone wealthy because the kingdom is bankrupt. 
and he would like to marry someone that he loves. And so we expanded the scene a little bit. The script refers to a couple of princesses that have some uh, abnormalities, perhaps, <laughs> that the queen yes. would like her son to marry. One of them has three eyes, so she combs her hair over her face like a sheepdog, and one of them has uh, a voice like fingers on, on a chalkboard. And we have some teenage girls in the cast that originally I was thinking we would just allude to these princesses because I remember what it's like to be a teenage girl. I didn't want to do anything that would humiliate them. And at the very first rehearsal, they said, no way, we want to do it, bring it on. So we have just piled the, uh, the absolute embarrassment on these girls and they are taking it and running with it. And it is, it is really hysterical. I laugh at every single rehearsal. So I really, if the audience enjoys it as much as we enjoy watching mm -hmm. them, they, uh, they're really in for a fun and 45 stomp, minutes. And the stomp routine, the kids just all get into it. I mean, it's all the young kids and the, and the cast are, are on stage, and they just love it, the whole thing. Um, and myself, a huntsman in the background, we find ourselves watching instead of what we're supposed to be doing just because we enjoy the, act, the scene so much. So it sounds like everybody's having a good time. So what else is coming up for Yardley later in the season? We are doing Joseph, an amazing Technicolor dream coat in the summer. And we're doing Bus Stop in the fall and Beauty and the Beast in the spring of next year. Well, if you're looking for a good time right now, performances for Rumpelstiltskin Is My Name will be at the Kelsey Theater on the West Windsor campus of Mercer County Community College and will begin on Friday, January 23rd at 7 p.m., again on Saturday, January 24th, and again on Saturday, January 24th at 2 and 4 p.m., and Sunday, January 25th, at 2 and 4 p.m. There will also be daytime performances on January 22nd and 23rd for school groups. If you'd like some information about that for your school, contact us at 609-570-3566. Tickets are $10 with discounts for seniors and students. Go to www.kelseyatmccc.org or call 609-570-3333 for further information and reservations. And I'd like to thank my guests, Lori Gouger, Mike Diorio, Paul McGlue, Matthew Blazeski, and Marianne Wiley for being with us today. Thank, thank, you. thank you very much. For Backstage Pass, I'm John Maurer. Thanks for listening.